Right, let's do this. It's the 4th of January. It is getting on into the evening. Uh, hopefully still have some time to play. A bit of Skyrim, still plugging away at that. I've got two days left before I go back to work. Officially, yeah, I'm nowhere near going to finish it, unfortunately. But uh, So it's going to be with me, dogging my pursuit of any kind of interesting leisure time for a while. Because I'm OCD. I'm not trying something new and pretty and shiny until that chapter is closed. I wish I was as OCD about keeping up my resolutions. It's, yeah, been a few days into the new year. I haven't worked out once. Uh, I'm blaming it on the fact that it's A, been too hot to run, and B, been impossible to get into the gym. I did try today, but I didn't have my key. I managed to lose the main set of house keys, which have the fob for the door, or whatever you call it, an electronic entry thing. And uh, so that was it. I just had some lunch. And came home in 45 degree weather, which is finally cooling off now that it's nearly nine o'clock. I had meant to do this earlier, you know, it's supposed to be Mondays, today's Friday, that's sort of how this is kind of going. I'm doing another one on Sunday, by the look of it, with Elizabeth, so that'll be a banana split, I think, and should be interesting. I might make it a solid 60, because uh, banana split, it feels like I'd be cheating at this point to do it without Jaden, and uh, I know that his probably not going to be able to make it plus there's going to be more than two or three people there so i don't want to get it too crowded so i might do it as a solid 60 we'll see how we go because i'm not putting too much weight on that and it's more of a trial run just to show them how to do one not that it's that complicated you're basically just sitting there and having a chat with a mic break up the flow that i've had so far with uh banana split too much sure i don't mind having more guests on but yeah jaden's been good he's been fairly involved in terms of promoting it online and stuff like that it, he feels like a, there's a sense of ownership and i don't want to do anything to jeopardize that yeah i'll probably do another one of these in a few days yeah that sounds like a good idea i do want to keep it consistent here as well with it mostly just being myself talking about my own bullshit which will keep the numbers low but at least it's dedicated it might not be something going on every week but when the shit does go down uh this is the the medium I've got to explore that in and obviously the usual movie reviews and stuff like that of stuff I have seen which most recently was Aquaman so I'm going to jump over there and run through a couple of the trivia items that I found on IMDb of course and just intersperse it with my reactions to the movie I will be seeing How to Train Your Dragon tomorrow with the same kid I saw Aquaman twice actually so I should have a bit to say about it if I was a better critic uh i would just do an entire hour on it i'm essentially just gonna throw in the odd thought interspersed with uh trivia notes because that's about as good as i can do at the moment there's only four spoilers but there's 69 items in here wow and the metacritic score is only 55 so it certainly didn't do as well critically as wonder woman i think it's done fairly similarly uh financially it's done quite well they're pretty happy with it and obviously they're going to do more and everyone's excited about that. So, yeah, it was good. It was definitely better than Superman vs. Batman or Justice League or any of those team movies. Apologize for my nose. It is uh, obviously affecting my voice. What can you do? I can't stop just because I'm sick. Uh, that was another reason I hadn't been working out. Like, the first and second just killed me. Uh, New Year's Eve, I couldn't really go out because of work. I was going to go to Elizabeth thing after all. Uh, Jaden's thing turned out to be a bust. He had to go to some other party. And I was like, well, there's nothing happening on around me. I might go to that, even though I'm a little sick and all the other concerns I had. But then I got a call from work and had to drive up to Port Stevens, which is lovely. Beautiful little uh, 
place called Fingal Bay or something and gorgeous just really pretty I love to take kids up there one day and hang out like there was a lot of families just sitting on the beach watching the sunset at uh, I got there about 7:30, and you know huge population of people obviously there just for the holidays there was like it looked like something from an 80s an 80s movie caravan parks and like surrounded by theme park temporary pop-up roll little ferris wheels and all sorts of games lots of bright lights and bumper cars and carnies selling all sorts of things and, and rides and it was just really awesome like you're driving it out down these beautiful coastal roads and on either side there's just people everywhere wandering around in their bikinis or carrying fishing rods or eskies and ready to hit the beach and enjoy the fireworks which i saw kind of on the way back both nature's light show of a huge lightning storm and the real thing by the time i got home at 11 30 where i jumped onto skyrim so right on midnight actually uh it had to take obviously half an hour to just settle into things and just go wow that's it that's the end of the year and i'm here by myself so that was a little depressing i still have hope for this year it's going to be better than last year just as last year was better than the year before we're on a slow climb back up to having a full and active social and work life things are looking good so they've got in touch they've managed to not screw up all the jobs that we're still running over the holidays uh so there'll be plenty to do on monday and he said there's a lot more work in the pipeline so just gotta hold on to that thought aquaman 2018 i'm not going to look into the specifics of how much it's made that's always changing i think it's still out in a lot of cinemas uh but it's done well i say that much jason momoa specifically requested tamira morrison for the role of arthur's father because he's one of his acting idols and weirdly first time i watched it in the beginning they've done that thing with cgi where they make him look about 20 and the same with nicole kidman with nicole kidman it's obvious who it was she just looked like she did in bmx bandits maybe somewhere between bmx bandits and cape not cape fear was that one where she's on the boat it was a horror movie i never saw it i think it had sam neill but basically uh that's what tom cruise saw and he got her on days of thunder and it was all it was all on after that her career just skyrocketed but yeah she looked good she kicked ass she was the first a sign of things to come in terms of uh, powerful female characters being able to take down the bad guys just as easily and just as creatively and as excitingly as the lead. So we saw her get kicked out of Atlantis. Uh, she's found by the lighthouse keeper. He um, takes care of her in some amusing montages with, uh, with their dog eventually. And then, of course, she's pregnant and has Arthur who's sort of named after a storm that's coming at one point when he's about to be born. So that was a cute little, very brief, but necessary, I think, uh, backstory. So, and then you see him slowly getting, growing up and basically uh, becoming the man he is today uh, with some help from good old Willem Dafoe. So, and he's always exciting to watch. I think they did a little bit of CGI with him uh, to make him look slightly younger in some scenes, but he's pretty ageless, so yeah, I don't think they needed to do as much work. Whereas Tamara Morrison, I really didn't recognise him. I was like, it kind of looks like Morrison, but it can't be. He just he looks like a Lego man. Like he's got that perfect hair. It's all just smoothed down. It just had this jaw, this square jaw. It was all just bizarre. And obviously, I'd never. The first time I saw him was in Once War Warriors, and even by then, he was like forty something. Uh, so I never really saw him as a young actor. And I guess, yeah, it's a pity he was never around in Hollywood at that age because, yeah, he was a handsome dude. 
and uh, and I know they get it pretty close to how they did look, especially with Sir Michael Douglas and Robert Downey Jr. I mean, bam, he was spot on the way he was in the 80s. I'm, I guess it's a little easier when they've got more reference material, but still, they would have got pretty close. And uh, he's a delight to watch in the few scenes that he had. Uh, we move on. During the duel between Arthur and Orm, an octopus plays a drum solo. Uh, yes, Orm is the main bad guy. He's the king at the time of the sort of beginning of the... F- not the beginning of the film, but once it kicks off with Aquaman at uh, current time. Now, as they put it. Because it starts off, like I think it's 30 years, 1984 or something like that. And then it's like present day. And Orm is the king who is the full-blooded Atlantean. And it's an age-old tale, very Shakespearean. But it's done with a few comedic twists and a lot of graphic flair. Like, it's just beautiful. So, an octopus plays a drum solo. According to director James Wan, this octopus is Topo, Aquaman's octopus psychic from the 50s and 60s. Nice little bit of detail there. Wan was really unsure about putting him in the film, but was inspired to do so after watching Mad Max, saying, if that film could have a guy playing a flaming guitar, I'm going to have an octopus drummer in mind. Fair enough. It did come across as a little Star Wars, uh, but, I mean, with all the other shit they did in in Atlantis, making it look like... uh, the movie from Fifth Element or any of the Blade Runners, but underwater, then why not? Nicole Kidman immediately accepted the role when James Wan said that she could wear Mother of Pearl and be a mermaid warrior. <laughs> this is an easy sell. According to Amber Heard, the underwater scene required cast members to be hosed down and then shooting took place on a cold soundstage. Wow, hopefully no one caught a cold. Jason Momoa admitted to playing pranks on all his fellow members. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. His fellow cast members during filming except for Nicole yeah you gotta she sort of stands on her own there by this point as uh, untouchable James confirmed that Atlanteans would not talk inside protective speech bubbles as portrayed by Zack Snyder in Justice League when asked about it he said people are overthinking it they're just going to talk because there was that scene in Justice League where she created the bubble then they talked and now obviously they're swimming around just chatting as if there's no water that makes sense because how annoying would it be to have to create a little air bubble every single time you wanted to have a conversation? He revealed he had a choice of what film he wanted to direct between The Flash and Aquaman. He chose Aquaman because he is the underdog. Okay. You put them side by side. I wouldn't have put Aquaman as an underdog. If you look at whoever they've got playing The Flash, I mean, he's a likable guy, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't have. I mean, power-wise, I guess he might be an underdog. He's got the command of the sea and he's really strong, but The Flash... I mean, there's not much you can do about a guy that runs too fast. That's pretty unstoppable. During Arthur's meeting with Volko, that's uh, Willem Dafoe, the Annabelle doll from director James Wan's Conjuring horror films can be seen on the floor. Ooh, creepy. When Atlant, when Atlanta, that's the Amber Heard character, throws a trite... No, that's his mum. Yeah, of course, because her name's Mira. I'm slowly getting it. It's showing Jerry Anderson's Stingray an underwater adventure series that features an antagonist who rules an underwater kingdom and wishes to wage war on the surface world. That's cute. I thought they just used it because it was, uh, obviously, with the stingrays and all that stuff. It was it would have been cheap footage, and it was something she, upon waking, would have been kind of shocked into thinking maybe was an attack in her sort of blurry, I just woke up state. But the fact that it's got that much resonance is even cooler. In the movie, tridents are only used by those of royal blood, uh, so that's it's the specific weapon of the Greek sea god Poseidon. Nicole Kidman was uh, his top choice for the role. 
They were previously set to work together on a remake of At the End of the Spectra, but the film was scrapped. She's a long-time supporter of Wayne's career, has publicly raved about his films Insidious and The Conjuring, calling him the new master of horror. She was also eager to join as filming took place in her home country of Australia. The film is based on the 2011 Aquaman comic. There you go. I never read those damn things. James Wan cited the same monster film Creature from the Black Lagoon as an influence uh, as a portrayal of the trench monster. I'll have to watch that again, because if they made their monster look anything like the one they used in this, then I'll be... uh, I kind of see it now, especially the face. I was thinking he meant the large kaiju-type thing, but he's talking about those smaller abominations that were swarming around the boat just as they go down to the uh, trench. In Thomas Curry's house on the table is the H.P. Lovecraft novel, The Dunwich Horror. I did notice that. And his Cthulhu novels involve man-eating fish and tentacle creatures deep under the ocean. And I would think any self-respecting American lighthouse keeper would have a copy of that book. So it's not too much of a fourth wall break. Director one believed that what makes Aquaman unique is his Atlantean heritage, saying, We're used to superhero movies where the threat is from another dimension. Or aliens from another universe. But we haven't seen one where the main threat is from a massive, massive civilization that is right under our nose in the ocean. The idea that there could be a massive civilization living right underneath that we don't know about is kind of scary and exciting. Yeah, it took a while for my head to get around it, but I still can't quite buy it. Um, that no one would ever find out. Like, you had this one crazy scientist appearing on all these talk shows it's basically it's a bit far-fetched i think that no one would have come across it with all the various scientific expeditions i mean what do they know jack Cousteau in the 70s in the dc universe that was all over the place or anyone like that no numa american research scientists funded by the government doing sort of deep sea diving and things like that someone would have found something i mean i get that they could stay out of the way to a certain point but if you're building entire cities how do you hide those things uh they're not magical to the point of say there's no i mean i I guess okay there was a god involved at some point like with wonder woman they've got the island behind an invisible force field fair enough but and the physical barrier of being that deep underwater would be an issue you can't overthink it i suppose you know something would have come up it wouldn't be just some lone nut job that no one believes making all these coming up with all these theories especially after the battle at the end when there's apparently uh, debris from the huge uh, fight that is all over the place and turning up and they're just like yeah you know it doesn't exist like, come on nicole kidman who plays the mother had declined the role of queen hippolata in wonder woman in the comics wonder woman was aquaman's ally and sometimes love interest oh, i wonder why she knocked that back the film marked the fifth collaboration between Wan and Patrick Wilson. Okay, because he was quite smug and easily punchable in the face kind of guy. But I can't really remember what I've seen him in. But I know I've seen him in something. Might have been The Conjuring, because I know I've seen him in something. The Watchman. that's what I've seen him in. Yeah, okay. And apparently he's in Batman vs Superman. Probably for like a half a second as the same character. Been a lot of movies though. If you go to his list, it is quite long. Hard Candy, pretty sure I saw that. That's another one. I, I thought it was a younger guy that was in that, but there you go, where he plays like a pedophile. The A-Team, I forgot that he was in that. So he's been around Prometheus. Jeez, that guy gets a lot of work. Usually playing a kind of a dick, just, he's just got that face. 
It's probably super nice in real life. Uh, Aquaman's suit was supposed to be a surprise. Instead, Zack Snyder released a photo of Momoa wearing the Aquaman suit in February 2015. So it's supposed to be a surprise a year later. Snyder called Momoa moments before its release to the world. Yeah, okay. I wonder who got ticked off about that. Uh, he cited Raiders of the Lost Ark and Romancing the Stone as an influence. I would have thought more so. Um, yeah, the desert wandering scene certainly has elements of that. And, and the whole like uh, male hero, female hero at, at odds and not having wanting a bar of each other, definitely romancing the stone and raiders to a degree there. It took them a while to gel and that's just classic movie cliche that they have to do and it works. The working title Ahab, obviously the name of the sea captain in Moby Dick. Amber Heard declared in an interview that she would read books between takes and that Momoa would purposely rip out pages so she would pay attention to him. Eventually, her reading material was kept in a special book bag made of green screen fabric, which allowed her to keep her books close even when filming effects shots. I've got to respect that, okay? I remember hearing a lot of drama about her uh, and Johnny Depp. Was it the one who was getting in trouble? I've got a, a list up of her movies now on her IMDb page, but that obviously doesn't say much about... If I go to... I'm just going to Google her name. Yeah, Amber Heard leaked testimony, violent alter ego nickname... Okay, so it was her, and uh, apparently they gave as, she gave as good as she got in any kind of... And I hope to think that she fought as well as she did in Aquaman, because then I fell for Johnny Depp, and he's drunk and stumbling, because she would have uh, kicked some serious butt. Uh, but I won't pry into her personal life too much. It feels a little icky. It's just weird, because she's so classy in the film. And then my impression... I, and I didn't really connect that it was her. And so finding out after the fact that all this time I thought of Amber Heard as some kind of trashy, drunken equivalent to Charlie Sheen's ex uh, is completely thrown on its head by this film. I was like, oh no, this chick can act. And she's really, really classy and watchable. Just something about her draws you in. I don't think it was just the hair. So, you know, good on her. Newfound respect. Not that she needs it from me. Dolph Lundgren is the first actor to star both in the Arrowverse and the DCEU. Oh, you go. Did not know that. I wonder who was playing in the Arrowverse. I haven't seen enough of it yet. But yeah, and the fact that she reads a lot, oh, so much love for that. I used to be that guy that would just read in every chance I got. Before its initial release, it surpassed every solo MCU movie in the Chinese box office with only seven days after its release. Wow, they really like their underwater movies over there. Though I'm not sure about the big Chinese one that was made a few years ago. It was supposed to be kind of like a Avatar thing. And uh, I remember hearing about, oh, I can't remember the name, but billions were spent on it. And all these no-name actors were used, and it just fell apart. I guess they still need a little bit of quality control. Fisherman Tribe were created through makeup for the top half and CGI for the bottom half. The tails, that makes sense. King Nerus and Mira appear as father and daughter in the film, although unrelated and betrothed to marry in the new 52 comics. Well, that's confusing. So it's hard work keeping up with all the different timelines. I guess you could call them alternate universes in the fictional worlds. A device in the Sahara bears the symbols of the Zodiac and their accompanying astronomical constellations. So that's God knows how accurate. If There was a scene where they're looking at like Roman generals and stuff and one of the clues was like, hey, it's in the hands of the king and it was only one king statue in this island in Sicily. And it's like, well, wait, didn't Atlantis and all that happen well before the Roman Empire? I was a little confused about that. Hopefully it's cleared up with this research. But again, you can't scrutinise it too much. 
will not bear up. It's entirely the first DC Universe film to be shot with digital. All the previous ones were done on 35mm and partially 70mm for Batman vs Superman. Um, I think it works. They're getting better. It didn't look like The Hobbit, which kind of seemed like a handicam in some scenes. Or means snake and worm in Danish. Uh, just a shitty name all around. It sounds bad and the meanings aren't too good either. Ocean Master. God. That's also, it's, it's, all these names are horrible. Michael Beach, who portrays Black Manta's father, Jesse Kane, who previously voiced Devil Ray and Justice League Unlimited, the cartoon. That's cool. Seen him around, that guy. Way from way, way back. All these 80s action movies. Some Atlantean soldiers are seen riding giant seahorses. In Greek mythology, the sea god Poseidon drives a chariot pulled by seahorses. Yeah, that's some badass. I mean, it looks so silly in the comics. A lot of silliness in the comics that you just think that's never going to work on, on film. And he pulls it off. So, kudos. At one point, the dead king, uh, was resurrected as an insane zombie, was to appear in the film as an antagonist. But he was removed. It's probably a good thing. Uh, DiCaprio is going to produce the film. Yeah. It's a bit weird. From the release of Aquaman, uh, it crosses $4 billion at the worldwide box office at DCU, making it the first franchise to cross the milestone with less number of movies as of 2018. According to Wan, the scene where Arthur and Mera emerge from the ocean in slow motion to Pitbull's song Ocean to Ocean is a tribute to his pre- previous film Fast and the Furious 7. Interesting. I'm not sure what it was. Were they copying a scene from that? He, I know there was a lot of scene aping. He did very similar things over and over again in uh, his other films. And it works, so why not? It's a style. Let's not knock it too much. Momoa expressed interest in wanting Snyder to direct. Let's uh, just be happy that didn't happen. Kane's first Manta helmet is based on the Golden Age Black Manta helmet, which was a conventional helmet with breathing apparatus connected. Uh, so much fandom, uh, fan service in here. It's really good. So Patrick Wilson describes Ocean Master as a... Uh, ecological terrorist clear gripe with the surface world which has been polluting his oceans for centuries you can really kind of see his motivations with most of the bad guys in this including black banter they have somewhat reasonable motivations that helps a lot even though they're the complete dicks king atlan's trident has atlantan writing engraved on it according to james wan it reads paul and mort referring to creators paul morris and mort waysinger of aquaman thomas curry keeps a pet dog a golden retriever in the comics Aquaman and Mira adopted a golden retriever whom they dubbed Aquadog. Cute. Most of the actors have starred as another character from a DC Marvel film. Patrick Wilson starred as uh, Night Owl 2 from Watchmen. Willem Dafoe played uh, Green Goblin. Nicole Kidman uh, was Dr. Chase Meridian in Batman Forever. Digimon Honsu, King Rico, as Korath from Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't know he was uh, in this. He must have been covered in... um, If he was King... Rico, there would have been some serious CGI on him. I'm trying to find an image. Yeah, it was he was one of those fishmen. Hmm. He didn't last very long. Tamara Morrison uh, was Abin Sir in Green Lantern. Did not know that. Randall Park was Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I thought so. They made him look different, but it's definitely that guy. Dolph Lundgren was Constantin uh, Kovar from the Arrow TV series, as well as The Punisher. He's gotten around. In addition, Graham McTavish, who portrayed King Atlan, also voiced Loki in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Well, there you go. Was the Earth Mightiest Heroes? That must have been the comic. Uh, sorry, cartoon. Yeah, it's one of the cartoons. Uh, it began filming in May 2017 in Australia. Mostly done in 
Gold Coast, but they did do some filming in Italy and Morocco. Well, there you go. Jason Momoa and Michael Beach had worked together on uh, Stargate Atlantis. Small world. Despite playing the younger brother, Patrick Wilson is five years older than Momoa. Yeah, he does kind of come off as an older guy. All right, so Jamon Hunsu. Oh, my God. I'm going to practice this. Jamon Hunsu. I'm just going to assume that's right. He's played King Rico. And so it's more than one. It's not just that Korath in Guardians. He was also uh, Chihala in the animated version of Black Panther. In Constantine, he was in that as Midnight. The dude does a lot of work. And John Reese davies his fifth comic book film. Uh, so he's done a shit ton. I'm not going to name them all, but it was voice work because he played one of the Crab Kings. I was in it for about 20 seconds. And quite distinctive voice. And yeah brings his A-game. Uh, so Willem Dafoe and Tamara Morrison had worked together before in Speed 2. Probably not one of their, their uh, most bright... Probably not one of their highlights. But hopefully they had fun together. And they got paid. So that's... Uh, that's got to count for something. I don't know. I never saw it. It certainly wasn't as acclaimed as the first one. During the film, we find out he can't be hurt by Madman Steel, only Atlantean Steel. During the second fight, Manta successfully stabs him with a blade that belonged to his grandfather, hinting that Manta's grandfather had run into Atlanteans as well. That did occur to me. I'd love to get some backstory there, and who knows what will happen in the second movie. They really got (laughs) to come up with a way to make him uh, formidable, though. I mean, he's been at least three times gets uh, trounced by Aquaman, so I don't know when he's going to give up and just go, right, this guy's too much uh so his backstory shares a few so arthur curry's story shared a few similarities with his namesake king arthur pendragon both had to find legendary weapons which had become their renowned weapons had to defeat their evil sibling and uh to save their kingdom and had wise mentors to serve as their advisors that's uh interesting parallels there i had no idea my pendragon history is a little rusty when he grabs the Atlantis trident, that's one of the final scenes, we see him unlock his animal control powers in his head. Among the creatures, the monsters from the trench, which we at the end get to see in the movie. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So that's exactly what was going on there. I wasn't entirely sure. That was just like him connecting uh, with the underwater world. Like, here I am. I'm ready. Arthur and Mira fake their death by hiding inside a whale's mouth, which Arthur says he gets from Pinocchio. This is the second superhero film to feature a Pinocchio homage after Avengers Age of Ultron. Trying to remember where I was in there. Someone can remind me. Yeah, so that's Aquaman. I'm going to go under the goofs. There's a couple of minor ones. I'm not too worried about continuity. It doesn't bother me. The trident of Queen Atlanta isn't really a trident because it has five tines. By definition, a trident only has three. If uh, Arthur is impervious to land-made metals, how did he get the scar above his left eye? Or for that matter, get tattooed? Good questions. I can't uh, think of any kind of answer unless he purposely made Willem Dafoe give him the tattoos with something. like, Or at least deliver him a tattoo gun. When Aquaman raises submarine above water, it should sink immediately due to submarine's diving technologies. There's a whole bunch of shit that goes wrong there. There's no black frogmen in the OSS during World War II. Well, you know, that's something you can fiddle with. Submarines do not make bubbles from the propellers. During so makes loud popping noises, which enemy subs can hear, thus they know where you are. Yeah, but we've got to, you know, have some kind of visual way to identify that it's moving. 
So, we'll mess it up for the movie. Fuck reality. As Arthur and Mira are sailing away from Sicily, much of their dialogue shows them at the stern of the boat, with the boat's wake and setting sun behind them. The final shot, from behind the boat, shows it sailing towards the setting sun. The sun has changed location by 180 degrees. Yeah, minor oversight. Looks cooler. Go with it. During the flight over the desert, they appear in a DHC-4 or Caribou. In the real aircraft, the cockpit is above the cargo floor level. The pilot wouldn't be able to see his passengers in the way it's shown in the movie. Also, the cockpit is much smaller than depicted in the movie. Yeah, well, gotta go with what works better for the film. And in the film, it was much cooler for the pilot to look back and see them both just jump out without a parachute. The comedic effect. And even the goat that was back there for some reason thought it was hilarious. So, you can see why they did that. How many plane mechanics and plane buffs are going to know that? Probably a few thousand. In the 1985 segment of the movie, when discussing names of the baby, suggests Arthur after hearing about the hurricane. In 1985, the A named hurricane was Anna. In 1986, it was Andrew. Arthur wasn't used until 2014. But yeah, you know, it's a different universe. Relax. At the climax of one of the fights, uh, the crowd celebrates looking down while both fighters are above them. Yeah, see, that kind of bothers me. Uh, the Sahara Desert has been a desert for 7 million years. Rome was founded in 752. BC. There is no way a message from before the Sahara was a desert could refer to a statue of Romulus erected in Sicily, which itself was not under Roman control until 241 BC. Yeah, see, I knew someone would be a little bit more accurate with why that was wrong. And there you go. Seven million years is a little little too long for uh, Rome to be around. It would have been nice if they'd tried harder there to marry things up, but they just had to get it done. And fair enough. There was another thing I saw called Bandersnatch. I did want to run over that briefly, considering that we're nearly 40 minutes in. Yeah, so my score for Aquaman out of 5, I think I gave it 3.7 on Banana Split when I talked about it, so we'll stick with that. It was good fun. Even seeing it twice, it wasn't too painful. It's not right up there in the top 5 in superhero movies, but it was a great blast, a great adventure. I think you'd have to be pretty dead inside to not be able to just go along with and have some fun. So highly recommend. Um, it just didn't hit me right deep down. It was like there was some sad moments, there was some poignant stuff about Arthur's dad waiting for Nicole Kidman, being there every morning on the dock, waiting for her to come back. So I think 30 years every single morning. And when she finally returns, it's quite a touching scene. But beyond that, it was all just a bunch of laughs and floating, uh, swimming around. I'm looking forward to, I think Avengers is going to have a lot more... Uh, emotional weight so that's the big one for me uh so here we go bandersnatch it was that i didn't really talk about it much before but i got through i think pretty much every scene in the time that i spent with it it's basically a choose your own adventure netflix show which to a large degree works uh, especially when you do silly things like tell him that he's being watched by netflix and we're making decisions for him he freaks out on set and it cuts away and it's like, no, you're the actor. And he's just still playing the character, but running around the set. And everyone's like, we should probably call an ambulance because this guy's lost his mind. So they really, and they break the fourth wall to the point where someone editing the show itself can control what they do. It's just nuts. So it's a bit of fun. It's a novelty. I don't think it's going to stick. It's not done too well uh, with the critics. But one of the actors, Tim Poulter, who plays a minor part, of uh, one of the programmers that's like an idol quit Twitter recently because he was getting so much shit people are calling him ugly or something which is strange because he's a beautiful man he's not a 
classically handsome dude, but he's one of those character actors that can really... Like Willem Dafoe and people like that. Okay, he's not as ugly as Steve Buscemi, but he's... Because that dude is awesome, but he's no way a pretty man. But this guy, I don't know, it's just a... It's not all about just saying he's beautiful, but I I, I never would have thought of him as ugly. He's just got a unique look. And for him to quit Twitter because a couple of people were trolling him, that's up to him. It's like the recent story about a girl quitting being a professional Overwatch player because she was getting too much shit from guys online. Sure, she should rise above. That would be the heroic thing to do and just block and ignore and do her thing and show that she's she's there for the right reasons. She's not just some token female player that's sort of got in on anything other than her skill. But you can't blame them for just going, no, fuck you guys, I don't deserve this, I'm better than this, and turning off the noise. So he's, he's welcome to do whatever he wants. And if all that Twitter's giving him, if like 90% of what he's seeing is just shit from the loud minority, then yeah, why would you put yourself through that? But I got 7.7. There's a general consensus here out of 10, so it's not too bad. It has some interesting moments. It's about a young man who basically uh, starts to question realities. He works to adapt a novel into a video game in 1984 and uh, basically goes mad and kills his father in most of the endings. So it's hard to identify with him too much. He's a little confused and... Yeah, completely insane by the end of it, but it's a fun ride. There's a lot of trivia here, but I'm sweating like a pig. I'm not going to... It might be more fun to go through the spoiler stuff. And it is really, really spoilery. So it's a huge warning here that you will not listen to the rest of this if you have not seen Bandersnatch. There are five possible endings. One, death. He leaves with his mother on the train and they die in the crash. Well, yeah, I didn't select that one. I was like, I know that train's crashing. She's missed the 8.30. I'm not going to get on that train. Uh, two, jail. I had a few of those. He's in prison for killing his father. Fight. Where he battles the therapist and father during a session. Yep, had that one. Set. Uh, he jumps out a window and realizes it's being filmed. Loop. History repeats itself when Stefan's game is rated 5.5 TV. Some of these endings come with further variations. For example, the jail ending is preceded by different TV reports depending on how many people Stefan killed. So you can kill the producer. You can tell him to jump out the, off the balcony. Not the producer, the programmer. You could probably kill the therapist if you did it enough times. You can definitely choose whether to bury or cut up your father. It gets very uh, dark at some point. The serial you choose will be the advert that plays briefly before you watch the tape on Jerome F. Davies. I think that's the bit that they where they do the review. It's, it's all about, you know, when you finish with five out of five, that to me feels like the ending that you want. Uh, it all comes down to that ending of what your score is. Uh, psychiatrist is Dr. R. Haynes, who works at the St. Juniper Medical Center. References to the episodes Black Mirror, Black Museum, and Black Mirror, San Junipero, respectively. Oh my god, there's so many references to... Like, even the other video game that's like the big top-selling version that's out before he makes his by the other programmer that he idolizes is based on a Black Mirror episode. So it's it's very within that world. Not exactly the same universe, but essentially it's constantly dropping hints and references to other episodes. And I hope we still get a third or fourth season or whatever it's up to, and this doesn't replace it because it's cool, but I would still want some proper episodes. There's a whole bunch of references here. I'm not going to go through them all to the other apps. It echoes Donnie Darko in many ways, both a story set in the 80s about young men trying to cope with whether they have free will or can control their future. Therapy sessions figure into both both featuring liquid mirror images. Both characters have bunnies centrals to their stories. Huh. 
kind of weird. I wonder if any of that was uh, deliberate. The game he's working on consists of a character constantly falling down. This is a foreshadowing to one of the alternates in the episode where Colin jumps out the window. Near the beginning, he shows Stefan a demonstration of his new game, Nosedive, a reference to Black Mirror Nosedive. Yeah, well, there's that too. On the VHS tapes in his father's vault reads Torma Inception, which might be a nod to Christopher Nolan's thriller Inception. Inception describes alternate realities in the form of dreams, not video games, and also the concept of dreams within dreams, like the concept implied on one of the endings for this episode. Pearl Rittman appears as a baby in 1984, where her father Colin calls her daddy's little legacy. Indeed, when she reappears as a game designer in the present day, during the final credits, she's carrying on her father's legacy by making video games. Oh shit, I did not get that connection. So this is why I read this. That is really cool. It's set in 1984, depending on the chosen pathways. It reveals that he's 19 years old, meaning he would have been born in 1965. This means that depending on the pathway, uh, he would be 53 years old by the release of the episode. One ending has a newspaper headline that reads, Programmer confesses as dad found in 8 bits. This is a pun on 8-bit video game tech. Yeah, I got that pretty quickly. Goofs. There's a lot of trivia I skipped. It's okay. There's an inconsistency in Dr. Haynes' name. On her door, she's identified as Dr. R. Haynes. His articles show Dr. Patricia Haynes. Well, that's pretty shitty. All the continuity stuff is, like, lame. One of the choices between a record album of Tangerine Dream or S.L. Tomita's The Bermuda Triangle. When he chooses the Tomita album, you see him go home and take a standard black LP out of its sleeve. However, the particular record he purchased was pressed in pink, not the usual black, to present, represent the corals around Bermuda. Well, he got the one, like, rare black version, maybe? That, that was cool. I kind of want to do it again just to see what the other album sounds like. It's, it's a weird... There's twice there where you get to pick the soundtrack. Once when he's putting his uh, cassette tape into his Walkman, and then later with the uh, album shopping before he starts working on the game. Both of the programmers are seen to be working exclusively in ZX Basic. By 84, very few established software houses use Basic as a coding language. Most worked in Z80 Assembler. Colin Rittman's game in particular showed a fluidity and responsiveness that would be very hard to achieve with the use of assembly language. Well, someone's a programmer. I knew something techie was going to get called out. I'm surprised it was just that one thing. During one version of the TV spot, the Bandersnatch game, the interviewer asked, yay or nay? The captioning misspells it yay, a commonly confused homophone of yay, so they spelt it Y-E-A. That, that, I would have thought it would be Y-E-A, like if it's sounding like some old school medieval language, but there you go, it is Y Y-A-Y. Remember that if I ever have to spell it out somewhere. So this is getting pretty weird. Alright, well that's wrapping up this episode, number 39 of the Solid 60. I did two shows there well one movie and one show and i'll get back to some skyrim which i haven't played for a few days hopefully i can make some progress it's all been pretty silly with, with just being able to chop things apart and the only stuff i get really stuck on are the puzzles in the dungeons which inevitably i do need to look up on youtube some of the ones i can figure out because after a while you realize with things like the order of animals that you have to shift around like there'll be these statues and you have the whale and the bird then the wolf or the other way you know you can swap them all around eventually you can realize that you can see on the ceilings and other places what the order should be so it's pretty straightforward but there's some other stuff where it's just like there's no way you would be able to figure it out unless you uh, look it up 
So that's a bit frustrating. If you're stuck in some kind of weird offline post-apocalyptic world where there's no internet and you find a bunch of games and you're like, well, at least I can do this, you'd be pretty pissed off <laughs> with a lot of adventure games, I think. Because uh, there'd be hours spent just like, well, I have to do this myself. And you'd go pretty mad. Hey, dude. That's the cat. That's the time to... Well, it's not dinner time. He just wants to say hi. So, on that note, thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure. Love you all. Good night.